want to welcome you this morning as we're going through our Christmas uh, series. Today we're going to be looking at a message entitled, A King in the Boat. If you have your Bible, if you'll take it and turn with us to the book of Luke, chapter 5. I believe the Lord has a great word for you today. I believe God is wanting to do something very unique in your life this Christmas season. A family of grace, if we can help you in that endeavor, it'd be a great joy and privilege. I hope this message speaks to your heart today. As we look at this this morning and this thing begins to shape up, uh, man, we think about the, the, the humility of our Savior, the, the humble beginning of our Savior, and how he started in a low spot. He didn't come in pulling his royalty card. He didn't come in saying, I, I, I'm royalty, therefore give me the biggest church in the area. Give me the biggest temple in the area that I can teach in. He didn't come in and say, well, I'm, I'm pulling his royalty card saying I ought to be able to bypass all the hardship, bypass all the heartaches because I'm royalty, I'm God in the flesh. No, he started from the lowest spot in a manger. And then from the manger, he didn't get much of a promotion. He started, he went back, Joseph was a carpenter, went back into the carpenter's shop and began to do the work before him. As we look at this, the king in the boat, he was the person who understood what it was like to be God, but he understood what it was like to be man. We looked last week at his, as, as, how he wasn't 50% God and 50% man, but how he was all God and all man. Look in your Bible this morning in the book of Luke in chapter 5 and verse 1. As the crowds were pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by the lake of the garrison, and he saw two boats at the edge of the lake. As they were at the edge of the lake, the fishermen had left them and they were out washing their nets because they had finished for the day. It goes on and says as they were washing their nets, he got into one of those boats, which belonged to Simon. And he asked Simon, he said, Simon, would you, would you take me out a little bit from the land? And then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. Let's stop right <clears throat> Pretty smart dude. Because he understood he didn't have a, a lapel mic, an ear mic, or a corded mic. That He figured if I get in that boat, he understood the law of the acoustics of how if he went out on the lake, the water would carry his voice back to the shore. Could be because he'd been around the lake and heard people out in the boat and could hear them like he was in the boat with them. You ever experienced that? I mean, you hear everything taking place in a boat if you're standing on the bank. Could be that he was God in the flesh and he created it and he understood everything about it. Could be both. But nevertheless, he asked Simon, he, the crowds of people were all around him because they wanted to hear a word from God. What we need today more than anything is a word from God. Where we are in your life, in your personal life, in your marriage, in your family, with your children, in your job. Where we are is a, as a country, we need a word from God. 
We know in this passage of scripture that Jesus was giving a word of God. He was teaching the word of God. As he was teaching the word of God, people were being drawn to them. It's amazing. The word of God divides, and after it divides, it begins to pull people together. It begins to pull people together, coming together to hear, because everybody's looking for something. Matter of fact, as we were out in the hustle and bustle of the Christmas shopping, it seemed to be a repetitive phrase that concurred over and over and over again. And it was like, what in the world? I mean, not just in mine and Christie's conversation, but you could hear the same conversation across the way, right next to you, shoulder to shoulder, on the bench you were sitting on. It seemed to be the recurring question was, what in the world do you get somebody who already has everything? Have you ever thought, you ever said that? Have you ever struggled with that? Could be nothing. Well, that didn't go over very well, though. But you see, what Jesus was handing out was the very word of life. The one thing that everybody who has everything is still looking for is a word from God. They're looking for direction. Now, they may not know they're looking for a word from God, but they're looking for a word from God because you can't find peace and contentment in the worldly things. You can't find peace and contentment in worldly objects. You can't find peace and contentment in worldly relationships. You can't find peace and contentment in flesh and blood. But in Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the Prince of peace comes peace and contentment. Don't despise humble beginnings. Because some of the most wealthy and most influential people in the world today began at some of the lowest points. I was reading the story just this week of a kid who grew up outside Atlanta. And, I mean, he just always knew that he wanted more. And he grew up in his front yard selling bottles of Coca-Cola. And when their family could no longer afford the rent, they moved into the first, the first housing project in the United States, just outside of Atlanta. Very first one. It went everywhere. It was the very first one. And he moved into this government housing project and living in that housing project just because he was living in a project, it no longer, it didn't stifle the desire that was inside of him. And so, man, this kid took initiative and he began to go around the community and and going around that community, he, he figured out, what can I do? So he began to pass out newspapers, deliver newspapers in the new housing project. And in that housing project, he said, you know what? My goal is to never lose a customer. I want everyone to be happy. And living in a housing project, passing out those newspapers, something was stirring inside of him. It was the Spirit of the Lord. Because the Spirit of the Lord was dwelling inside of him. And it was stirring up a drive inside of himself that God had placed in him to be all that God had intended for him to be. As they lived in the housing project, they realized they could no longer afford the rent in the housing project. Even with the young boy bringing the money he made from his newspaper route, giving it to his mother and father, they could no longer live in that housing project. So then they moved out of the housing project, found a big house, and opened up a boarding house to pay for a place for the family to live. Had somebody in their house all the time. And from 
living in the first ever housing project, not being able to afford the rent in the housing project, to living in a boarding house, always cooking for somebody else. Truett Cathy got the direction and figured out how to make the best chicken sandwich in the world. Created Chick-fil-A. See, you can't despise humble beginnings. You can't despise where you grew up at. You can't despise, oh, well, I don't have much of a chance. I, I grew up in a project. I grew up in government housing. I grew up this. I grew up that. Listen to me today. You, on the authority of the word of God, you have to understand that God is up to something in your life. And don't despise humble beginnings because God in the flesh started in the lowest point. I could go on for a long time about people who became great, who had nothing, started in their garage. How many businesses started in their garage? Oh, my, multi-billion dollar businesses today started in a garage without two nickels to rub together, just a desire to do something. Well, I tell you, that's how it was for Jesus Christ. He had a desire to do something. And it was to seek and to save those which were lost. Man, as we look at this, we see that he submitted himself to the menial task of life. He didn't say, Mama, you know, I, me and Mama, I'm God in the flesh. I shouldn't have to go to the carpenter shop today and work with Joseph like all the rest of those knuckleheaded siblings. Come on, Mom. You know I'm God in the flesh. No, every day he had to get up and do the same thing all the other children did. Matter of fact, and he suffered for it later in life. In your Bible, in the book of Mark, in chapter 5, you, I mean, in Mark in 6, it's that story. Jesus launches his ministry, goes into his hometown, fired up, ready to preach, ready to make a difference. And all the people around began to make this statement. Wait a minute. Isn't this the son of that carpenter, Joseph? Who in the world does he think he is coming in our town trying to teach us? This is the carpenter's son. He doesn't have a right to teach us. He does not have the religious pedigree. He does not have all the religious uh, stamps that come along with Judaism and all those things. He doesn't have the education that he needs to be able to teach us. God's up to something when you're down to nothing. And they looked at Jesus and said, man... You don't, have the, you don't have the authority of education. You don't have the authority of, 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 a, of a worldly lineage or a namesake. No, he may not have had it because he was born in the lowest tribe of Israel. He was born in the lowest town of Israel. He was born in the lowest place in the lowest town. So that he might seek and save those from the lowest point. To the highest point. That they might all come to know what Jesus Christ has in store for them. You see, he, was, he submitted himself to the menial task of humanity. He didn't skip it. He didn't say, I'm too good to take out the garbage. I'm too, too good to sweep up the dust. I'm too good to haul out the scrap wood. No, he engaged in life every single day. If you despise the menial task, you will never be able to appreciate the big ones. Matter of fact, there is a passage of scripture in the Bible that says this. He who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. If you can't be faithful with the little things, then you'll never be able to be faithful of the big thing. 
The problem is everybody's dreaming of the big thing. Nobody wants to do the little thing because they don't want to do the little thing. They'll never get to the big thing. I'll tell you today, the thing that made America great was a reverence for God, a fear for God, an honor for God's word, and a drive to just be all that you can be. Do you realize today that some of the greatest businesses in the world, some of the greatest products in the world that you use started with somebody with nothing more than a high school education? Because they had something stirring inside of themselves. And God was at work. God was wanting to do something. God was wanting to move in their heart and move in their life. You see, and Jesus submitted himself to that so that at all points he could identify with where we are so that we would not be any different. The Bible says in Zechariah 4.10, do not despise the little things in life. We also know that Jesus submitted himself to the weakness of humanity. Again, in a boat, Jesus in the book of Mark chapter 5, I mean, in Mark, in the book of Mark chapter 5, we see that he was teaching from the boat, but then in Mark 4, in verse 35, we see that Jesus was pushed out, he was out in the boat, he grew weary, he was sleepy, he had been toiling the whole time, his body was subjected to weariness. He went down in the stern of the boat, and he began to sleep. In the bow of the boat, the stern of the boat, a storm began to brew. As the storm began to brew, they were about to go down. Somebody said, who in the world is going to wake up Jesus? I don't know how they came up with that. But one of them went down there, woke him up and said, Master, do you not care that we're about to perish? And he woke up and said, did you not forget that I told you we were going to the other side? And he spoke to the winds and they began to obey. In that boat. That boat that Jesus always seemed to be going back to. In many cases, it was a sign of well-to-do. I wouldn't say that they were very, very wealthy people, fishermen. But if you owned a boat and you were a fisherman, you were not struggling to really get by financially. In the day of Jesus, there was more people in poverty than ever before. In the day of Jesus, there was huge income inequality and that there was a small gap at the top of wealthy people in a there was no middle there was just a huge bottom but if you were a fisherman somehow you did okay wealthy but many people despised them because they kind of counted them like tax collectors and pharisees and they they lumped them together as well you know are they really being honest and a lot of people in Jesus' day just really considered the fishermen cheaters. That they would cheat to get the wealth. That they would, you know, offset the scale, sell the fish for more, and take advantage of the poor because they had the fish and people needed the fish to live. So for him to associate himself with a carpenter shop was a low spot. For him to associate himself with the fishing vessel and fishermen and to call fishermen to be his disciples was a low spot. I want you to know today on the authority of the word of God, you don't have to start high to get higher. You can start at the lowest place in your life. You can start no matter where you are today. God will meet you where you are, start to work where you are, to bring you to where he wants you to be. And it's really not about where you are or where you're going, but it's about who you are, where you are, and who you are on the journey to where you're going, and who you are when you get to where you're going. 
at 90-something years of age, Truett Cathy is still faithful to fundamental Christian principles that have guided him all of these years. Many people, when they become successful, abandon their ethics, abandon their principles, abandon their morality, abandon their convictions, and just do whatever it takes to get to the next level. Listen, if you get to the next level by doing whatever it takes to get to the next level, you really had not got anything when you get to the next level. Well, you may have gained more things, but if you have to sell out your very convictions and principles and things that you live by, what in the world have you really gained? Jesus submitted himself to the weakness of humanity. He knew what it was like to get tired. He knew what it was like to need a nap. Can I get a witness? He knew what it was like to be cold. He knew what it was like to be hungry. He knew what it was like to be betrayed by friends. He knew what it was like to, to, to have people uh, look at him and mock him and say, wait a minute, aren't you the carpenter's boy? Aren't you the boy who had the most meaning? Aren't you the kid that was born in a stable? Who in the world do you think you are going to lecture us? He started at those places so that everybody. Somebody said the ground is level at the foot of the cross. The ground is level at the manger. When you're at the manger at the lowest place, nobody has preeminence. And Jesus Christ in the flesh was placed in the lowest spot. Jesus Christ in the lowest place was placed in a boat to do his preaching. Because no church would have him. A pulpit committee would not have called Jesus. I remember whenever I surrendered to the ministry, I, uh, man, all I ever wanted to be was a farmer. And so uh, what school I had done, I had worked in the field of agribusiness thinking, man, if I can just get me an a education and that can go along with my dream to be a farmer and be broke the rest of my life, that would be great. Instead, decided to be a preacher, be broke the rest of my life. I remember as we were going through that whole process, uh, man, all I wanted to do was preach, Brother Mike. All I wanted to do was preach. And uh, I went to this guy, and he said, uh, well, I'll let you preach. after you. I'll recommend you to preach after you get four or five uh, classes under your belt. Get you a couple of semesters under your belt. And, uh, boy, at that point, we'll realize that you'll be okay, and we'll let you preach. And, I was so disappointed. Man, I was just ignorance on fire and just wanted to tell somebody about Jesus. And in that same conversation, though, he turned around and said, uh, but, you know, there was this, there was this guy, <clears throat> I can't remember his name, and said, uh, man, he was, a, he was a slave, and he couldn't read, but he taught himself to read on a tobacco plantation from a King James Bible. And he said all the white people would go to their church early in the morning and would listen to their pastor preach, but in the afternoon... They would all end up coming down to wherever he was meeting without a church and listen to this guy preach who couldn't even read or write. Now one of the reasons was because that guy operated under the anointing. So I, I thought about that conversation and thought, wow, I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, bummed out now. Uh, you know, you say one thing, then you tell me this story. And then he says, but, you know, well, we don't believe in the zapping theory that God just zaps you and gives you what you need. I kind of thought to myself, of course, I was in no place to debate it. He pretty much zapped me and saved me. 
gave me the Holy Spirit, filled me with the Holy Ghost, I figure he can complete whatever else he wants to do. And so from the lowest point, we begin to have our pathway forward. Have our pathway forward and begin to move in that direction in life. And it's at those lowest points that God is wanting to move, that God's wanting to work, that God's wanting to rule, that God's wanting to reign, that God's wanting to be the king of your life. Yes, Jesus submitted himself to the humanity, the humility, the low spot that comes with man, the menial task that comes with man, the weakness of man, but he also submitted himself to the power and the presence and the plan of God. I mean, if you read the rest of the story right here in your Bible, it goes a little bit further, and it says uh, in verse 4, when Jesus has finished preaching or teaching them he said to Simon hey man we're out here in the middle of the water why don't you go ahead and put your nets down into the deep and see what we can catch and Simon said oh master we've uh we've worked hard all night and we've caught nothing but at your word I'll let down one of the nets and when they had done this they caught a great number of fish Matter of fact, the Bible says right here, look at it. They caught so many nets that their the fish that their nets began to tear. So all of a sudden, there's Simon out there in the boat, let down his net on a whim at the word of God, and all of a sudden there began to be so many fish in the net that the nets began to break. And they signaled for their partners in one of the other boats to come out and help them. And they caught so many fish that they filled both boats. And they were so full that the little boats began to sink. When Simon saw this, he fell at the feet of Jesus and said, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. For he and all those who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish. And so were John and James, the sons of Zebedee, who were Simon's fishing partners. And Jesus said, hey guys, I know your little boat's going down because there's so many fish in it. But don't be afraid. Jesus told Simon, from now on, man, you're going to catch no more fish. You're going to be catching people. And then they brought the boats to the land, and those guys left everything and followed him. Yes, Jesus knew what it was like to submit to the menial task of life. He knew what it was like to submit to the frailties of life and the weariness of life and the humility that comes with that. But he knew what it was like to submit to God. And sometimes he had to restrict the power of God. Do you realize that Jesus never had to want for anything? He never had to struggle. He could have just, he could have just operated in the deity and the sovereignty of God. But had he always operated in the sovereignty of God, he would have never been able to understand the frailty and humility of man. The weakness of man. And so, at this point in this place, he restrained the power when he needed to. He released the power when he needed to so that others could follow the plan to a powerful life. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. In the middle of the night, while shepherds were keeping watch over their flock by night, a, a multitude of heavenly hosts appeared and was praising God in the highest, saying, Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. For unto you, born this day in the city of David, is a Savior, this Christ our Lord. Yes, the wise men 
saw the star in the east and began to track that dude all the way to the feet of Jesus. The shepherds came to the feet of Jesus. The wise men came to the feet of Jesus and all bowed down. And all were astonished and all were amazed at the baby. Now, it's one thing to be amazed at a baby. Because, come on. I mean, it's kind of like you've never seen an ugly bride. You've never seen an ugly baby. I mean, even right after they're born and they're ugly, they're still beautiful. Babies are beautiful. It's one thing to be amazed by a baby. But it's another thing to be astounded at a grown man who doesn't have anything worth following. He doesn't have a building. He doesn't have a congregation. He doesn't have a bank account. He doesn't have a house. He doesn't have prestige. He doesn't have all of those things. But he has the power of God on his life. Today, I hope this Christmas season that you'll just be looking not for a person to follow, not for a new job to follow, not for a new spouse to follow, not for a new this or that or occupation, but that you would just hope to follow Jesus, who was once a king in a manger, who was once a king in a boat, but he wants to be the king of your life. Those guys, they had it made. Yeah, there was lean days fishing. There was days they didn't catch as much as others. But in the socioeconomics, they were a lot better off and everybody else in their day. And they rode their little boats back to the shore. Parked them. Said, Dad, somebody, you can have that. We're astounded. We're amazed. And they bowed down at the feet of Jesus and followed him. On this day, Will you bow down at the feet of Jesus and follow in life? Maybe you're sitting there at home. You're listening to this sermon. You're saying, Pastor, what do I do? Just start right where you are. Admit that the king came to a manger, that he lived a life of humility, that you and I may be born again. Admit you're a sinner. Believe what he's done for you and let him have his way in your life today. God will transform it this Christmas season. Won't you come this morning? This ministry would not be possible without these partners. Looking for childcare? Visit College Camp located in the heart of Pineville. It is a licensed aid facility that has been in existence since 2008. For more information, call 318-484-2762. Thank you for joining us today. We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors that made this program possible. Bayou Shirts. At Bayou Shirts, we offer quick, friendly, quality service for all your t-shirt needs. Check us out today at BayouShirts.com for information on all the services we can provide. You can reach us at 318-308-3754.
At FCA, we're touching millions one heart at a time. Since 1954, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes has been putting the heart and soul in sports by challenging athletes and coaches to impact the world for Jesus Christ. As the largest sports ministry in the world, FCA now reaches over 2 million people annually on the professional, college, high school, junior high, and youth levels. Through this shared passion for athletics and faith, lives are changed one heart at a time. Learn more at fca.org.